What's up, everybody? Welcome to Navigate with Faith Podcast. This is Sierra. And Alisa. And we are here today with one of the most bossed up men yes. I have ever met in my whole life. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one of, uh, I mean, one of my favorite people, honestly. And, you know, I want to I want to tell a story before I introduce you. Um, this man actually grew up with my mama and my uncle, right? <laughs> in like little old Columbus, Georgia. And when I decided to venture out on my own, I moved to um, Atlanta. I decided to find a church. This man was like a minister at the church. Mm-hmm. And the way we, we just like naturally reunited. And it was like, oh, no, this is my mama's friend. So without further ado, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to introduce to you all Mr. Andre Kennebrew. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Andre Kennebrew here with uh, two of my favorite young ladies, Elisa oh, and Sierra. Yay. I love them like my daughters, and I'm so proud of them yay. making Navigate with Faith such a inspirational um, point. Um, I listen to podcasts all the time. He does. He sent them to us. Hey. <laughs> And they made the short list of 10. Yes. So, okay. Yeah, they on the short list of 10. If I start telling you some of the podcasts I listen to, mm. y'all right in there with some great company. Wow. Oh, yeah. man. That great means company. so much to us. We are so happy to have you here. Mm. Um, and y'all, let me tell you, Mr. Andre Kennebrew is 100% himself, 100% yeah. of the time. <laughs> yeah. And the very definition of what you see is what you get. Mm. And um, you just have to appreciate people who have been able to create a world where they have been successful wow. being themselves. Absolutely. Um, and y'all, I'm telling you, name rings bells. Yeah. So, uh, top dog, I'm telling know, like, you. I'm honored. So you we talking are, about I'm the little, little right. daughter. Yay me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but he has truly been an advocate for this platform from the beginning, Absolutely. has been offering advice even when we didn't did. ask. Did. Just like a daddy. <laughs> but, but it's always come from a wonderful place, mm-hmm. and um, so we're just happy yeah. to have him here after he's begged to be here. <laughs> I did. I did. After I heard, heard the first podcast, I said, y'all got to have me on. Yes. And and and, and I did. I heard, I heard the first podcast, and I sent some notes over about some things. And the reason why I did is because uh, I really— really think this is an outstanding uh, um, podcast. And the way my brain works is it always says good to best, good to best. I said, that is really good, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, man, this could be, like, really good. So uh, that that was where my heart was for y'all. I was like, keep on going, sisters. Keep on going because— you're going to bless a lot of people's lives. And that was my thought then. So. one of the, and again, you guys may not be familiar with the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram eight, which mm. is a challenger. Mm. And for us, when we're challenging people, that's intimacy for us. Mm-hmm. And wow. so when we're in people's faces and I'm talking to well, them, and kind of like you know, wow. it's like intimacy is growing. Like mm-hmm. for a lot of people, when they get into conflict, they, they go this way. Mm-hmm. For me, when I get into conflict, it's drawing me closer mm-hmm. to the person. Mm-hmm. And I'm sometimes misunderstood with that mm-hmm. because people go like, he doesn't like me, he doesn't like me. When it's the opposite, it means he likes you. <laughs> wow. You know, if he's, you know, in, at Chick-fil-A where I worked, I did over 8,000 interviews and probably one-third of the people I interviewed with cried. And they, you know, they said they remember their first time with me and they go like, I didn't think he liked me. And I tell them, I said, that meant I liked you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you, you know, mentioned Chick-fil-A. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. Yes. So I was at Chick-fil-A for 14 and a half years, okay. mainly doing selection. 
Uh, if you own a small business, a large business, or any kind of business or any kind of organization, the key to being successful is how you select people. Mm-hmm. Because if you can put people in the, you can get the right person in the right place doing the right things, you're going to be successful. And so Chick-fil-A recognized that. They thought I had some discernment. They thought I had some good people skills and some interview skills. So they had me come in, and I started interviewing and got kept getting better and better at it. And and so 8,000, 9,000 interviews later, probably over 1,000 selections, wow. franchise operators, working with them, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, fun, yeah. fun stuff. So I've met a lot of people. Tell you, yeah. man. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So, so you know, one thing that we absolutely love about um, Minister Kennebrew, because that's how I know yeah. Minister Kennebrew, um, I grew up at the church that um, him and his family have been members of. And so he's known me for quite some time. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's really interesting being in the vicinity with him and to see how people respond to him. He was my business mentor uh, at one point in time when I first was starting out. And um, I went up to Chick-fil-A with him and the way that people regarded me just by being in Mm. close proximity to him Mm -hmm. told the whole story of the amount of respect that he's garnered um, and just the way that people really admire him and his authority. And so that discernment that he's known for is wow. exactly why we have him here. And we're talking about what today? We want to talk about stewardship. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Stewardship. Very no no, no greater person, yeah. right, to ask mm-hmm. in reference to. Uh, so before we get into it, we do want to pray. Yes. 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 Thank you, Lord. Mm. Uh, so Father God, we just really want to say thank you, Lord. I thank you so much for fellowship. I thank you, Lord God, for networking and allowing all of us to know each other just the way in which we do, even if it was just for this platform, um, even if it was for the things that we're going to say today. I do want to ask in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that we decrease so that you may increase and allow us to say the things, Lord God, that are on your heart. I pray that this message goes forth, Lord God, and blesses those who really needed something like this. Um, I pray, Lord God, that all of us even leave here uh, differently than we were when we came in um, by way of knowledge, Lord. And so I just ask that you speak. You be present, Lord. Pull up a seat at this table, Lord God, and, and you get on the mic, Father God, so that we can please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Sierra. So first and foremost, you know, as we talk about stewardship, there are some people who are listening who are not familiar with what that yeah. even means. Mm-hmm. Or... They only think of it in one way, in one category. So just to start out, I would love to hear from you what stewardship means to you or how you can explain it to someone who's unfamiliar. Yeah. So when you think about stewardship, you think about you have these things that you don't own, but you are the manager of them. And so everything that we own or have or we think we own belongs to God. And God's given it to us, and he says, manage it well. Mm. And so we think about stewardship. So what do we have? We have so much. Yes. Um, we have finances. So when we say stewardship, that's the first thing somebody thinks about is money. Because he does. He gives us things. He gives us money, cars, houses, and all that kind of stuff. God does. God mm-hmm. gives that to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gives us talents. Uh, he gives us time. He gives us energy. He just gives us so much. We're managers. Mm -hmm. And so he wants us to take what he gives us 
and get the most out of it. Yes. Hmm. And so he tells us some things in the scripture, particularly around money, because that's the topic that he talks about most. Mm -hmm. And the reason why he talks about money the most is because it's the one that can be our greatest enemy. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so there's he doesn't talk, he talks about time a little bit, he talks about talents and that kind of stuff. But you know what happens when somebody gets a whole lot of money. Yeah. The first thing to pull somebody away from God is money. Wow. I mean, and it pulls mm-hmm. them so far, wow. so mm-hmm. far. So that's why all the focus on money, and that's why we talk about money all the time, mm-hmm. because money is the one that pulls you from God the most. And so we should be stewards of our money, our time, our talent, our treasure, our mm-hmm. children, our friends. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, our family. I mean, we're responsible for all of that. So— uh, yeah. We got to get a different mindset around stewardship, but you can start with money because if you can manage money well, mm. you'll typically begin to do well in the other areas, and that's what my life turned out. It's, I didn't know why money became a, such a thing for me early, mm. not so much all other things like talent, time, and all that kind of stuff, because that was the one that God knew He had to get a handle on for me to get the other ones right, mm. and so. Yeah, so I tell every young person, I mean, you can get a handle on this money thing, you can get a handle on everything else. That's good. Mm. That's good. You know, I, in my opinion, stewardship is kind of like a, um, it is it's a job, right? God God gives you something and you have a job, like you were to supervise it. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? You are to... You get to properly manage what it is that I've ha- that I've given to you, and it also is the determining factor on whether or not I give you more, mm-hmm. right? Oh, right? So if Amen. you if you're not doing well with this, I cannot then you know trust you yeah. with anything else. So I do feel like it's kind of like a a position, you know what I mean? It's like this is what I'm going to give you. What are you going to do with it? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I often think about that responsibility mm-hmm. as it relates to our heavenly Father, just like our earthly fathers give us a little bit, or our earthly parents, you know, Mm -hmm. depending on your situation, you know, typically parents will give you a little to see what you do with it to know how much more to give you. Um, But I often think of stewardship in terms of beyond money, but I know that, like you said, money is at the forefront of people's mind when we talk about stewardship. So, but, so... How do you be a good steward with money? Yeah. Yes, how? Yeah, and again, um... I'll just tell you a quick story how, for me, because I, I had my own life figured out, right? <laughs> Donna and I got married. I was 28. She was 26. I was working at the bank. I wanted to be bank president. And so every, I was putting everything into my career, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you heard so many things, things about, like, if I save money, I'm going to get a house. Mm-hmm. And then I do this, I'm going to get a car. So that's where my mindset was. And Donna's mom uh, wise woman, um, when I first started dating, Donna said, you know, if you're going to date my daughter, you're going to go to church. Because mm-hmm. I was, I didn't get saved until I was 25. Mm-hmm. Now I'm 26 dating Donna. And Donna's mom said, being steward of her is that boy there, if he ain't a good steward of, of with God, then he ain't going to be a good steward of you. And so wow. you, right. you, you can't date him if he ain't going to be no good steward yeah. of himself. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember having that talk with her. And then she said, when y'all get, got married, she said, go join the church. Because, mm-hmm. again, she's encouraging us, knowing, again, now we're stewards of our marriage. If you wow. want to have a good marriage, mm-hmm. y'all need to join a church where you can grow up and be around people. Wow. And so Don and I made a decision pretty early as we were sitting in the church and we were learning is— when we hear something together, 
that God speaks from the pulpit or from teaching, we said, we're going to do that thing. Mm -hmm. And so I came home, I was 30 years old, and uh, Dr. Woods preached on tithing. Mm. And I wasn't tithing. Mm. And I said, look, okay, if I start tithing, it's going to take me long to get a house, it's going to take me long to get a car and all that kind of stuff. But we just made up our mind. And we just looked at each other and said, Donna, this is not what we talked about. Tithing, we've been talking about saving for a house and all these other things. But God's Word says tithe. Yes. So we started tithing. And so it was then that we made every decision, you know, based on a biblical decision. And it was was life-changing. Wow. To say that this is what God's Word says, this is what we're going to do. And so God has blessed us. We've never gone without anything, you know, early on. You know, God just seemed to bring everything we needed. Yes. I mean, he just, mm. it just, and we had such peace of mind about it. I mean, mm. about giving. It felt good to give. So that was it. 30 years old. It was like, yep, we're going to do it. That's you know, good. and, uh, you know, you're not going to brag, but <laughs> this is a man who ain't, who has no debt, two right. grown children yes. who have don't need nothing from him, yes. right? He owned a Tesla. Okay, <laughs> um, sitting at board meetings like this is a man who the tithe and worked out. You yes. know what I mean? Oh yeah. I you know, I had an epiphany one day. You know, surely it was the Holy Spirit that was telling me that I needed to tithe. And I was, you know, I mean, I was in college, had a little, little job. I was giving a little twenty dollars, you know. Um, but <laughs> when I when I got older and I started to do the ten percent, like before the taxes, and I mm-hmm. worked for the state. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, I was feeling like I ain't even really. I was, I was, I was wrongly tithing, and I ended up having an older IRS. Mm-hmm. And so then I started to tithe my four percent and my full ten percent, and I got like money back from from my mm-hmm. taxes. Totally different. The two, just the, the one year after the other. Yeah. Um, but I really, I, I, I am broke when I don't tithe, mm-hmm. and it sounds crazy because you think you're saving money, but when I realize I'd be looking at my account like what. Yeah, I ain't tired as much. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. can tell it's almost like a, Mm-mm, I'm not being a good, and then you feel like you're not being a good steward of your money because if you broke before you get paid again and you ain't tired, it's like I did something wrong, you know. And I always know when something I hadn't reached a level where things would be automatic. I know some people automatically got their tired taken out. I'm not there yet. Glory be to God, I'm on my way. <laughs> but um, you know, but I, I agree. I think. Being a good steward of your finances can start with tithing, not being stingy. You know what I mean? That's what it kind of comes down to is not being stingy because I do believe that when you hoard something, you make it an idol. And then if you make it an idol, God will take it away from you, right? You can easily be broke from not, you know, tithing or penny pinching or whatever. So my relationship with tithing is quite different. I have always enjoyed giving back to God. And I, well, I think that everything has to do with how you've been introduced to a thing. Mm. And then also everybody Mm. has different bins. Everybody has different things that they hold tightly to. And money has never been, you know, by the grace of God, has never been something that I felt like I needed to hoard per se. But when Minister Kennebrew just said it felt good, it feels good to give back, it does, you know. So I remember when I was younger, growing up in church, you know, your parents would give you the dollar to put into Mm -hmm. the, the collection 
collection plate. And so I grew up with getting the dollar to give, you know. Um, so first of all, first and foremost, being introduced to the actual physical act of dropping that money in and letting that go and mm-hmm. letting it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found myself really being proud of myself for taking that responsibility upon myself to give that 10% to the point where, um, you know, I think it was explained to me early on. They were like, you know, we're in the church and it's not about, oh, this money's going to go directly to the pastor's right, pockets. But right. a lot of people believe that. And even if it was. Um, and, and, you know, <laughs> a lot of people believe that. And of course, you know, I'm pretty passionate about um, that concept, just shutting people off from First of all, the responsibility that we've been called to mm. biblically. Mm. Um, but secondly, you know, you're in a church where you go into the restroom and there's toilet paper mm. and there is fine soap and mm. there's a lotion for you oftentimes. Mm. You sit in a sanctuary where there is air conditioning and there is lights to, to light your pathway. And then for some reason, we associate giving to the church to your your the kind of car your pastor drives. Yeah. And and that is so not the point as if they of that. Aren't, let me just say, as if they aren't already financially stable, because usually they might be PhDs or something like that. Well, I don't besides know that, it that, I mean, this is somebody who gets up and gives, you know, to us spiritually every Sunday. This yeah. is a career as well. And so the idea that your pastor has to be broke, you know, whole nother story. But the point yeah. is getting past that, I understand it's tough for some people. And so I, I've never viewed it that way. I thought about the practicality of tithing. But secondly, you know, to Sierra's point of seeing that constant care, you know, Minister Kimber also said, never went without. Seeing that care always be there from God, feeling as though, you know, I always had to tithe. I had, I had the means to tithe once I started doing it. I'll be in the position now where I'll be standing in line at a store and I'll go ahead and tithe before I get to the cashier if I know that that was not the first thing that I did with my money yeah. since I got paid. And so I very much enjoy that. I know that some people, that's a evolution process and I respect that, you know, but there is a joy in it for some people. And I think it it can be a gift, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it, t- and it takes you a while to get there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the key in Malachi is God says, test me. Mm. You know, most of the time God's testing us, but he says, test me. Give us that verse, if you will. Yes. That's in Malachi uh, 3.10. says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord <laughs> Uh, Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough mm. to store it. And so he's telling us to test him. What happens with, with church people is, is again, they get caught up in the visuals. Yes. Because when you're a Christian, your, your sight mm. is your enemy, you know, because mm-hmm. you see, so pastor pulls up in the car, your sight says that's something wrong with that. Mm. That's what your sight says. But your spirit should tell you something else. Mm. It should say that that man who's pastoring, his boss is God. Yes. Mm. I'm not his boss. Mm -hmm. Now, he reports to a higher authority than I do, Mm -hmm. and I'm not responsible for what he does. Mm-hmm. The higher authority, God himself, 
And I'm not talking about with somebody who does, obviously does something that's sinful. I'm not talking about that because God calls the church to deal with those kinds. But I'm talking about just how he makes his everyday decisions right. and, and those kind of things. His stewardship. His stewardship. Yes. That's not for us to to, to do. Uh, that, that's a higher authority that's supposed to do that. And that's that's a check in our own spirit um, if, we're, if we're not careful yes. and we're judging that. Yes. There's too many pastors that are underpaid. And there's too many pastors that are overpaid, mm-hmm. you know, but most mm-hmm. pastors are taken care of the right way. And so we, we have to remember that. Yeah. And so test God. Keep keep it, a, keep it at a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. You know, keep it at a highly spiritual level. This is between me and God. Yes. God looking at my spirit. He looking at my soul. He looking at my heart. And if I can just have my own wrestling with him, then I'll be all right. But because my sight will, will get me every time. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So when we talk about the heart, I heard a lot of what you mm-hmm. said, and I heard heart. Mm-hmm. Heart. You know, when it comes to stewardship, a lot of it is our hearts, mm-hmm. you know, and especially when we're thinking about why why we're tithing or why we're giving. You know, there are some people who stewardship has been taught to them as, you know, when you give back to God, you're going to get you're going to get stuff back, mm-hmm. you know, or you better make sure that you tithe so that your bank account is overflowing. And so sometimes people can be disappointed or disillusioned or feel as though, see, this is why I don't tithe now. I'm tithing. I'm still broke. I didn't get my miracle. This is not a miracle water situation. You know what I mean? This is a, an obedience thing. This is a heart exactly thing, right. you know? And so I think a lot of the times um, people get turned off by this entire concept because they're viewing it as, what do I get out of it? And if I don't see anything, then I think y'all are lying or this is a gimmick or this is some sort mm-hmm. of a, a trick or a scam. And y'all, it's really about your heart. It's really about your heart. If your desire is to please God and to live according to um, the guidelines that he gave us, you know what I mean? If you really have questions about it, there's a personal relationship between you and Christ that you can go to him and tell him you're struggling. Sierra has told me about how she has struggled and grown in her tithing. There's been a couple of people who have grown. And so that's always available to us. If you genuinely, are not connecting with it, that's fine. There's room to evolve. But, you know, let's remember that it is a heart thing, first and foremost. Very much a heart thing. I mean, I'm sitting here and I just got this example. I don't know if it works for you, but um, I've got $100. Mm-hmm. And I say, Sierra, I want you to manage my $100. Mm-hmm. Take my $100 and manage it for me. Mm-hmm. And I come to Sierra and say, um, Sierra, I got $10 that I want to go to that cause. I see somebody over there that's hungry. Will you take my $10 and give it to that person? And Sierra says, no, because I want to keep all the 100 for myself. How does that sound? I mean, just think about it. (laughs) It's my $100. Right, right. Not Sierra's $100. Gotcha. Yes. I want you to give it to that. No, no, no. You gonna keep it because that hundred dollars. You gonna <laughs> hey, you gonna take care of yourself and make sure you get whatever you need or buy whatever you want to buy. And so, first and foremost, that's pure disobedience. That just oh sounded gosh. so trifling when you say that. that did. It was like, oh my but god! But we do that trifling. to God all the time. That's what we do to God. We that's do that to God all the time well, because He asks us. Uh-huh. Yeah, He's saying, "Take my ten and give it to my church." Yes, that's exactly like verbatim. 
Yeah. That's like the Yeah. It's it's almost I mean, I know that I have sometime um fallen short, you know, feeling like God does there's some things that God can't do or not can't mm-hmm. do, but you know how they you know how people believe God for one thing and don't necessarily believe him for another. You know, some people don't believe that God will bring you a spouse. Some people don't believe that you're supposed to be tied. They feel like God's hand is not in that. Um tithing is now that we're talking about it, it's really kind of sounding like it's another form of faith, right? That's exactly Absolutely. It's it is. A, is another form of faith. Not necessarily well, you can pray for something, that don't mean it's, that prayer gonna be answered tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But you have to constantly pray and constantly believe. And so if you're constantly tithing and constantly believing that not necessarily he'll bless you monetarily, mm-hmm. you don't know what kind of doors open up out of your obedience. Amen. You know, it's it's it is sounding very, it's just sounding very synonymous, but I don't know that people believe. Because like you were saying, they want to see something. And you see your pastor roll up in the Lexus and you say, and you whip, you say, I'm not going to tithe because it's going to his Lexus. And it's like, what do they got to do with you? Right. It has nothing to do with you. You standing in the way of your own blessing. You know what I mean? Your your faith is a little shaky Mm -hmm. because of you seeing somebody else that I just don't even know how that has anything to do with you when you were told verbatim to do this because I said so. Not, Not because... (laughs) <laughs> Not because you feel like it. It's because I said so. Well, there's also a practical side to this, right, to stewardship. There's a practicality side to this. And we can we can investigate that, too, because in Malachi, that first part says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Mm. And at that time, I believe very much so, it was a physical storehouse. Mm-hmm. It was the first, the best, the top of the line of what you have harvested, Right, in order to benefit, be of a benefit to the entire body of Christ. So Amen. that actually was practical. Amen. And so, you know, that was the reason. It wasn't all of these now nuances that we have now. That was in order to reinvest in the body of Christ. And so now it's no different. So if we think about, if you have to think about your seed, that's why they say sowing a seed sometimes. So if we think about our seed, right, and we're in a church family, and that seed being used to benefit all of us, you can think of it like that if it helps you, right? So I want to know more about that practicality part of stewardship. So we've talked about tithing, but also when we think about the saving of that money or the investing, just like the parable of the talents, tell us about your investment story, because what I know of you, when I see you, I think of how well you invest. Yeah, um, one of the things about being a good steward is is developing consistency, uh, being diligent, mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And um, it's it's one of the things that is it's most troubling for the next generation for me is this ability to do something over and over and over again, and not expect something to happen one time, you know, or one big thing. Mm-hmm. But this whole idea of consistency, so. When Don and I uh, got married, we were both investing in our 401ks. We were putting money away. And and the key to saving money is you have to spend less than you make. Mm. That's a rule. If you spend more than you make, you'll never have a savings. You can't. And so you have to be disciplined with the budget, and then you have to go like, as much as I can possibly save, I'm going to be consistent, and I'm going to be diligent with saving. And so basically, the guy in the Bible had five talents, and his responsible said, I'm responsible for making 510. 
Because the more you have, there's this, God expects you to make it grow. I mean, so people miss that part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't, God never expects us to take everything we get from work and it all be gone. He expects us to make whatever we have grow. And Christians forget about the concept of growth when it comes to God. Mm-hmm. I'm all right where I am. I'm not growing spiritually. I'm not growing in my marriage. I'm not growing in my friendships. I'm not growing in anything. And one of the concepts of stewardship that's lost is this idea of everything you have should grow. Yes. Mm. And it should have growth. So you reap what you sow. Mm. So sowing, mm. you gotta, it's, that means something's growing. Mm-hmm. And you have to have this diligence and this consistency in it time after time after time after time mm. that makes it grow. And so as soon as I can remember, I mean, I never receive all of my paycheck. I mean, so it's already going automatic, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of growing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I decided to retire from Chick-fil-A earlier this year, I went to my financial specialist and said, basically, I want to have enough money that I never have to work again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the goal. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I wanted to, that to be true is so that I could do what Paul talks about, you know, so you get more of your time to ministry. Because wow. the more you work, the less time you have for ministry. Mm-hmm. God expects that too. Now, people don't want to hear that because people, you know, that I, I got to get to a point where there's actually a finish line mm-hmm. where I target a number of growth mm-hmm. and so that I can put more hands to the plow. More, pl- more hands to the gospel plow. Mm-hmm. And you got to do that year after year after year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And it has to be very diligent giving. Mm-hmm. And so I've been giving since, I mean, I started working when I was 22. Uh, now I'm almost 62, so 40 years just, wow. you know. Wow. And, it, and it hadn't hurt you any. None. <laughs> you know, None. It, it, it didn't not hurt having it didn't Not having it didn't hurt me at all. You know, in fact, I think yeah. hoarding it hurts you more. I'm yeah. thinking of um, uh, in the book of Acts 5, Ananias and his wife, right? Yeah. And they were these very wealthy people, you know, and was it was untrue, you know, about how they were given. Not— <laughs> it, Nobody knew that you was being untrue except mm-hmm. for God because, again, that is the only person that in which it matters to, which caused, like, them to die. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, essentially, <laughs> you ain't have it anyway, mm-hmm. you know, because you died when what you should have done was just to give, um, bring it all into the storehouse so that it could have been beneficial because that was a critical yeah. time. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Every People kind of needed stuff. They were moving. This is a whole new transition, yeah. and yeah. we need all of that, and for you to hoard it. I, you know, it, that is, that is yeah. not... Two, I want to I give you two principles, if you don't mind me. One of our challenges is, is that we're victims of low expectation. Wow. Mm. Good I mean, and we, not great. Yeah, we set our expectations so low. That's one of the reasons why we don't give a lot. It's because we are wow. we don't have an expectation. We don't have an expectation to be debt-free, to have a house mm. paid for. Yeah. We don't set the expectations that we need to set. Mm. And when you have a big God, your your expectations should be big. Yes. I mean, you should start off with go like, it is possible for me to be debt-free. It is possible for me to save however much money or whatever. And so we got to raise our expectations. Mm-hmm. And I, I think our expectation, the other one that this one is really hard for me is this concept of scarcity 
versus abundance. Yes. And again, y'all can write mail. Well, did they write y'all letters when y'all? Please, please. For the all out there, we're going to get mad when y'all hear this. But so many of us have a scarcity mentality. Absolutely. I agree. And a scarcity mentality is it's only so much. Mm-hmm. And because there's only so much, I got to grab for it. Mm. The opposite of that is abundance, where we feel like God is so great that you can be a millionaire. You can be a billionaire. They can be a millionaire. Mm. We, but everybody else is going like, I can be a millionaire, but you can't. Crab wow. in the bucket. Man. Crab wow. in the bucket. Mm-hmm. And so I tell this, Joe, I, I want to see if y'all get to answer this question, but so... All y'all, I hope y'all have some grandmas out there that make um, great potato pies. Potato pie? Uh, sweet, sweet potato, potato pie. Sweet pie. <laughs> I'm sorry, sweet potato pie. Baked potato pie. Baked potato so pie. So it's Thanksgiving. You come home, and grandma has a sweet. My grandma has. She used mm-hmm. to make okay. sweet potato pie, and she cuts it into eight pieces, mm-hmm. and it's nine people at the table, and the pie goes out on the table, and everybody piece of piece, and then you, Sierra. And you, Elisa, are left, and there's one piece of pie, okay? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Slice it down the middle. And what do you do? You slice it down the middle? Say, yes. What do you do? Slice it down the middle? Yes, either that or have it. <laughs> yes, yeah, slice I got, it down I mean, the I got to share it. Or cut across. You have to share it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody gets this question wrong. So don't, don't worry about it. Y'all okay. got it wrong, too, okay? okay? It's grandma. She can make some more. Grandma got my five, six pieces of pea pie in the kitchen. <laughs> grandma Man. can make grandma, some more. Grandma, look at my broke mentality. Listen. I know, right? <laughs> I don't want to have grandma, a pie. Listen, grandma ain't made no one pie. <laughs> right. Wow. Right. Grandma ain't made no one pie. You know grandma ain't made no we one pie. We started on that second no pie. pie. That's what we're going to do. We're going to help her this time. Right. Right. That's, but that's how we think. I mean, wow. literally, we think that's it. That's all yeah. I can see. Wow. But... It's more. That's And good. so, yeah, that's what I try to tell people. When you're dealing with this stewardship thing, you set these goals and you expect it and you stay with your consistency and you work hard over time and you can have these things. Mm-hmm. But when you're thinking about tithing, you're thinking about like right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you're not thinking that long course no. that you need to think of in terms of you're planning for the future, you're living for the day. Planning for the future, living for the day. Wow. So, because you're looking at your bank account and you're looking like, I don't know how we're going to make this stretch. Right. If I do this. But you know, in the spirit of you talking about scarcity and you talking about hoarding, I can't help but think about one of the things that I know about you, Andre Kennebrew, mm-hmm. is you also don't hoard information. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that also is cultural, right? Girl, um, yes. When be, people, I mean, but for girl, real. that's some cute shoes. Where you getting from? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I can't remember. There are people who won't even tell where they get their clothes from, right. you know, let alone how they made their millions, let alone mm-hmm. this information they have about investing because they do feel like they are the only millionaire who needs to be in the room. That's right. And I remember Minister Kennebrew paying the young people at the church to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I did. And that is a book about how to manage your money and investments. And so, you know, I think that is something that you will find is a little cultural (laughs) when it comes to mentorship, right? Um, A lot of people, I think, in our community uh, feel good being the only, being the biggest fish in the pond. And the worst thing they could think of is telling you my secrets and recipes. Why? Because it's going to be taken away from Right. And they tell you to network, but network with whom? Because you ain't, you telling me to network, but hook me up. Or you don't tell your sources, 
right? Right, Um, right. And whereas I've noticed that in other communities, CEOs are like honored. First of all, there's always some sort of mentorship program or or someone that they are bringing under their wing. They're honored that you would ask them questions. Yeah. It's not going to take any money out of their pocket. Yeah. They've already made it, yeah. you know? And so I think that in the, in the spirit of also being good stewards of even the information that we receive or that wisdom is sharing that as well. Absolutely. And, and, and that's I'm a big believer in that. Um, you know, mentors— you know, are designed to do three things, and sometimes we get it. So some mentors, they're like, I have all the information, and I'm going to hold it so that I can keep a hold over you. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And you'll always respect me. You'll always, and I don't ever want you to be greater than me. Wow. Right? Well, Jesus wasn't that way. I mean, Jesus made a, he made a quote, you will do greater work. Now, he didn't mean quality, mm-hmm. but he meant quantity. Mm-hmm. And so when I step in here with Sierra and Lisa, I said, I want you to do greater works than me. I literally want you to because it'll be better for you and everybody else if you do greater than me. Right. Now, if that's the case, then I got to do a couple of things. Number one is I got to I gotta give you information that you don't have. Mm. Because if I can give you information that I got at 40, at 30, that, that cuts 10 years out of you having to learn that, yeah, right? And then if I give you resources, you know, that you would never wise have, whether it be people, books, or whatever, right? And then thirdly, and this is this is what people do really well in cultures that where you see people rising is advocate. Mm-hmm. Advocate, meaning like when you see someone and they're looking for something and they're trying to get somewhere, it's literally helping them get there, going like, I know this person, I'm a reference for them, for, for them. Mm-hmm. you need to give this opportunity, or calling someone on the phone and saying, you know, that's stewardship. It mm-hmm. sounds like it's something else. But we got to be good stewards of the body, of the people in the body. Yes. Which means, you know, you can't just give somebody that information prematurely. Right? That person Mm -hmm. also has to be ready. I know you and I sat down referencing um, some career coaching. And it was very clear. (laughs) And it was very clear that it was like, sis, you need some therapy. First of all, (laughs) you're going to have to fix this. I can't give you this information without your mind being ready or your spirit being free to receive it because you're going to mishandle it. Wow. Or you won't go as far or you won't do these greater works because you're still stunted in an area. That's right. Mm -hmm. You got to grow Mm -hmm. up too. So that's, I think, every person that's a, a baby boomer, like it's my age, should literally be turning around to the next generation and just pouring as much back into them as they can. I I, I'm, I really believe that with all my heart. So much knowledge and even sponsoring people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people who are in business that are trying to make it, help them make, pull them up, help them, help them make it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm doing some things that's very interesting in my current work. One of them is um, this person I'm talking to, they call global uh, patrons. In every great Christian work that's ever been done, there was somebody with money who helped bring it up. Wow. And so we see, so why can't we be patrons for young people that we see that are doing something? So that's one of the reasons I was excited about being on your show. I was like, (laughs) I think I can help them. You know, not that I'm this great thing, but I I think I can help be a patron, Mm. a supporter, Mm -hmm. an advocate, a resource who can help them take what they're doing, and that's the mindset we have. That's stewardship. Yes. Wow. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, stewardship is a, is a wide bucket because, like I said, we always think about money, but people, stewarding people is is really, really mm. important to me. That's mm. good. Uh, as well. That's good. I so. will say that I've just stepped into a season where now I am pouring into the generation behind me. Amen. I'm now officially teaching graphic design. And in some ways, I am training my competition because I'm still in business. Wow. But I don't look at it that way because I believe there's more than enough for That's us. Right. And so, you know, it's it's really interesting to see the tables turn because it's an honor. It really is a responsibility I have. Mm-hmm. And I tell these kids every day, I'm trying to prepare you to make money now. Okay, let me tell you how to do this. Um, let me show you how how to accomplish this um, so that you get the information that I got in college now in high school. And and I really, um, you know, there's there really is a beautiful aspect to being the master in this situation. I put that in quotes. And I think that not enough of us take that up. We're still in that mentality of, um, oh, I'm only give you a little bit because I don't want you to push me out, rather than realizing that there is truly um, a a beautiful hierarchy there when people respect and honor mm-hmm. what you know. Right. But they won't know what you know if you are hoarding it. You know what I mean? And then you're the old dude on the block or the old lady on the block who still is trying to compete with the young, new, fresh mm-hmm. talent rather than being the um, mentor or being the source of wisdom, which has so much honor in that, you know? And so I think in the spirit of stewardship, like you said, stewarding over those relationships, stewarding over those opportunities, um, and it doesn't have to be in a large capacity. You know, I know Sierra was good for taking mentees under her wing, even if it was some teenage girl at the church who just really wanted a big sister and needed someone to talk to because they didn't want to talk to mama, Hmm. you know, Hmm. putting them on, quote unquote, putting them on game Mm -hmm. about life, right? That's stewarding those opportunities. You should not be going in and out of a place every day, every week, every month, and there's nobody that's positively impacted by your presence. Say that again, sister. You You should not. Now, that's a a phrase. (laughs) None of us, you got to say that one because that is such a big thing. You should not be going in and out of a place every day, every week, every month, and nobody is positively impacted by your presence. And you should not have to be told Hey, have you met such and such? She needs a friend. Y'all, we have to be way more intuitive than that. And so I just really always respect people who um, take it upon themselves to say, hey, let's go to lunch. Hey, what you going, what you getting into? Hey, how's that going? You know, um, and that means the world to people, honestly. And so I think that's a large part of our stewardship as well. Yeah, I'm gonna offer this last thought to you because I think it does play into what we've been talking about in stewardship. Is mm-hmm. I can go back through my life and I can give you the names of people who pulled me up, um, starting with my mom and what she taught me, uh, my high school football coach who promoted me, you know, who worked hard to make sure I got a football scholarship too. Uh, people I called when I needed a job to Don. I mean, I can tell you all the multiple people who pulled me up. And if we could just understand this concept to your point, 
Alisa, I just don't want to lose this. This whole idea of having this positive impact of people on people to go in and out. Like, can we just pull somebody up? You know, that means we're being a good steward of our ta- talent, our time, our tra- everything when we pull somebody up. So yes. amen to what y'all are doing because I think y'all are pulling up people. Well, I, you know, I appreciate that. And a lot yeah. of my motivation comes from me not having anyone to pull me up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was because I lived, um, you know, below a poverty level. And so people kind of didn't want you to surpass them or if they just genuinely didn't have any knowledge for you. But I can think of one person in my whole life, my college professor, mm-hmm. you know, was, you know, I mean, it probably looked like a little bit of favoritism. But I I think we understood each other on a whole nother level who was my reference for Every job that I have, I was able to contact him and he was able to put in a good word. One person, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so, sure, if this platform can be something, you know, if I could be the big sister, you know, that I didn't have, and no, no fault of my parents or anything, but if I could be that person that nobody had by way of my experience, you know, that I mm-hmm. had in life, I don't have a problem with that. It's, it, like you said, it, it really is an honor. You know, mm-hmm. it really is an honor. Yeah. And it could be people your age, too. I definitely have um, friends that are my age that just, it's something as simple as, hey, I got this subscription to this resource and I'm just sharing a password. (laughs) You know, um, I think we overthink it often. um, And you might be you know, mentoring or stewarding over your relationships better than you think. When you think about just things that you call just friendship or being cool, you could be, you know, very well already in that position. And so I just want to encourage everyone to continue to maintain those high standards for um, how you manage those around you, your resources, you know, um, and your relationship. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. It's been great. I'm so thankful to have you. Yes. Thank y'all for having me. I'm excited. Y'all don't even know how excited <laughs> I'm excited. You, you keep your composure. Yeah. You being real cool. I'm real cool. <laughs> I, I want, I'm so proud of y'all. Y'all are keeping this going. And don't stop. Yeah, uh, you know, the enemy will try to stop you. Other people will try to stop you. And your focus is on others. And anytime we have an other-centered mindset, mm-hmm. we, we don't stop. We keep going. So mm-hmm. when, the, when the floods come and, the, you know— Folks are uh, throwing dynamite at you and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Don't stop. You know, keep on. Keep navigating. Keep navigating. Now around the floods, the mountains, the dynamite, and all that's coming at you, and the thunder and lightning, but keep navigating. Right. I just thought about Isaiah. He said, when you go through. Not if, but when you go through. I'll be with you, right? Thank you, Lord. So good. Well, this has been Navigate with Faith, and I am Sierra. I'm Elisa. And I'm Andre. (laughs) And, and this, this is, is how you navigate with <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Navigate with Faith podcast, produced and edited by Dante Don's Press Play Hodge and recorded at Lantern Audio. Our show artwork and graphics were done by the Pigment Playground. Music by Turn Me Up J. Cav. Subscribe to the Navigate with Faith podcast on your favorite streaming platform. And connect with us on social media at Navigate with Faith on Instagram and Facebook and Navigate W Faith on Twitter.